from Relay FM. This is Upgrade, episode number 76. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace and Backblaze. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Jason Snell. I am back, sir. Fully refreshed yeah, welcome, and renewed. Welcome back. I, I'm glad you're feeling better. You sound great. You sound normal. You, you don't sound like your sickly self that you apparently were. I was uh, I was in a bit of a state. I have to say, uh, it, it was it was not good for a while, but I'm okay now. Uh, I had a throat infection, which is oh. one of the two worst illnesses that I could receive, I think. That and laryngitis. Yeah, yeah as you've got the, the valuable pipes that need to be protected, your podcaster pipes. Yeah, I, I've been wondering if there is such a thing as insurance on this, just specifically on my voice, rather than just like disabilities insurance or whatever. I feel like I should look into that at some point, but that oh. that feels like a, a big grown-up thing that I can't be bothered to do. Okay. <laughs> I still get those things, you know? Like, there yeah. are these things that pop up. Like, I need to... I'm going to get so many people shouting at me right now. I need to get a pension sorted. I had a pension at my bank job, which still has some money in it, but I haven't yet got one as a self-employed person. Uh, there's part of me that's just like, ah, oh, that just feels like such a grown-up thing to do right. this part of me it's just like doesn't want to do it but anyway some random diversion you're in risk of becoming the guy who's like oh oh his voice is so valuable that it is insured the <laughs> lloyds of london we would make money we would make fun of you for that and then somebody will try and attack me to get the insurance money you know, i was gonna say somebody somebody's gonna punch you in the in the throat at that point <laughs> <laughs> jason where are you you are on location today I am uh, I'm on location in Southern California, sunny, hot, actually, Southern California. I've uh, uh, I'm down here in LA at my my wife's par- parents' house and uh, looking out over uh, some lovely trees and flowers and things. I've been here a few times. We did the first upgradies. Actually, I was in this room for that. And I've been oh, here a yeah. few times before, so that's where I am. I was down in LA. They had the um, the big Doctor Who convention in, at LAX, and I know. I know so many Doctor Who podcasters that, quite frankly, I don't need to buy a ticket. I can just go stand in the lobby and talk to like t- 10, 12, 14 people I know for the weekend and hang out. And there was, you know, there was some, uh, we did a podcast, actually. Uh, we did an incomparable game show that will go up later this week. I haven't actually even listened to it, hopefully, if it's audible, if it recorded properly. Um, and that was a lot of fun with, it's basically with, with podcasters. I met Joe Steele. Did you? In person for the first time, so I can verify he is a real human being, or he has a very talented actor. He's taller than you'd think, isn't he? He is taller. Um, yes, he is taller than, than one might expect, but that happens. My wife has commented several times that I have um, all my friends are tall, apparently. Hmm. Uh, that's what she said. She keeps meeting people from the internet and finding that they're, they're far too tall, like you, Dan Morin. Yep. And Joe Steele would be in that category because he is surprisingly tall. He's taller than me, even. So he's a tall guy, yeah. Steele. So is it Gallifrey One? Yeah, that's that it. That you were at? Yeah. yeah. I, I've heard of that. I, I think just through you and, and the other incomparable people that I, I follow on the internet. Yeah, it, it was it was a lot of fun. And doing the podcast was fun. And just hanging out and talking to people was a lot of fun. A lot of different subjects. I was on a panel about um, about nice. podcast stuff, which was kind of fun. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was a, it was a, a good time. Yeah. Um, and uh, my family gets to hang out with uh, uh, my wife's mom and dad down here too. So they were they were doing some stuff over the weekend while I was up at the convention center, and they'll probably be doing stuff right now while while I'm doing a podcast. It's like I'm I'm here, but I'm kind of not here. But that's okay. We're and we're going back home tomorrow. So we have a bit of follow up 
that we need to address. Uh, the mm-hmm. first thing is I just wanted to underscore the fact that we have merchandise on sale right now, T-shirts and hoodies. Yes. They are only available until February the 19th. So as we are recording and when the episode will be released, you have four days from yeah, the so day hurry this it up. is released. There uh-huh. are hoodies and T-shirts. Um, I am very happy to see that people are buying them. I'm very surprised that we're selling more hoodies than T-shirts, but I'm happy. And as we have yeah. said before... Those of you who will buy a hoodie, there is a special surprise in the hoodie, and you will be very happy that you bought the hoodie. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, but the Brainball t-shirts, they you should be getting some of these. We have the regular t-shirts in men's and women's. There's a couple of different styles of those. And the beautiful Raglan t-shirt, which was my only way of imagining this shirt existing with yep. the, the, in the old uh, kind of baseball sports style. So mm-hmm. if you want them, they are only on sale for another four days uh, via our friends at the Cotton Bureau, and we will have links in the show notes to those. Um, if, when, if you don't get them, they're gone, and then that's it. So you want to make sure yep. that you pick up some lovely upgrade merchandise. Well done. Well done. I'm glad you're back to talk about the, the merchandise one last time since you yep. missed it last week. I did. I'd missed it indeed. So you can go and go and pick that stuff up. Yep. Um, I also wanted to address something from a few weeks ago. There was a few people that pointed this out to me, and they are one hundred percent correct. You know, when we were talking about our uh, our superpowers that we would yes. like, that we desire. Uh-huh. Um, I mentioned the ability to control time, to stop time, and start time. And a few yes. listeners from the UK all tweeted at me and mentioned a show called Bernard's Watch as my inspiration for this, and they are 100% correct. Bernard's Watch was a show uh, on TV when I was a kid, um, on CITV, on Channel 3, where this kid called Bernard, he had a stopwatch, and that stopwatch allowed him to stop time. And so as uh, kids of a certain... Oh, people of a certain generation all wanted this power, as I do, because of Bernard and all of the things that Bernard could do. And we were all very jealous of Bernard and his ability to stop time. Um, And I've put a link in the show notes to the Wikipedia article for Bernard's Watch if you would like to find more. And Americans of my uh, generation will remember the uh, television movie, perhaps, The Girl, The Gold Watch and Everything, which was also that premise, although that one was a little more... um, a little more well it was on tv so it wasn't that adult but it was about adults with it and so there were sort of like crimes and there were sort of some some uh, suggestive parts in it too mm. and actually there's a um oh what's the name of the movie there's a really um there's a really good movie oh, i can't remember the name now it's a the, have we talked about it before there's a there's a, a, a an indep- independent english movie about a guy who is able to concentrate and stop time and he's a he's a grocery clerk hmm. um i am googling frantically googling a uh, cashback cashback that's it that's a similar thing so that, i mean this premise has been done before so there's lots of precedent what i'm saying mike there's lots of precedent for your your superpower that you're going to get so yep you know that's that maybe that's useful if there's a court case about your superpower i don't know working on it 
Um, and I also wanted to uh, follow up on something that you were talking about last week in the uh, Ask Upgrade segment. And it's in case people haven't noticed, uh, I've I've just started a little trend of the last Ask Upgrade question being a little bit off the wall, and we have another mm. one of those today. Um, and last <laughs> week's was, very sadly, I put it in the document, forgetting that Stephen cannot eat anything pizza-related. Uh, <laughs> so you were really trolling him. Yeah, really, really kind of sticking the knife in. Uh, you mentioned pepperoni and pineapple pizza pizza uh, which yeah. upset many people and, and delighted others yes uh, i just wanted to say that that sounds fantastic to me and i want it well I, you can I just or you i think you can just order it you know uh, I probably many can. pizza places have p- pineapple as one of the available toppings and because of most Hawaiian. pizza places you can just exactly and it, it essentially is a hawaiian pizza except i like pepperoni better than canadian bacon or whatever bacon style pork thing that they yep. put on that they call Hawaiian in the UK if they have such a thing. Yes, um, they do. So, so if you go to a pizza place or order from a pizza place that has those two toppings as a uh, as options on pizzas, you can ask them to just do that together. And uh, I've I've done it where I've substituted, say, can I have the Hawaiian with pepperoni instead of Canadian bacon? They say, sure. I'm gonna. I hadn't thought. I hadn't thought that I can just customize a pizza from somewhere. Yeah, so I am going to do, do this because I like pepperoni. I like Hawaiian. So yeah, see, together, it, yeah. If you like a Hawaiian pizza, it's basically the same thing. And and some people don't like uh, the idea of sweet and savory together. And I totally get that. But um, but uh, I like the the uh, with the pepperoni and the pineapple together. It's a, it's a I think it's a really good combination. I I chanced upon it. I don't even know why I how I discovered it. But that is my favorite combination because it's a yeah. It's a it's just a it's a party. It's got everything. What more what more do you need in a pizza than those two things? Also on last week's show, you kind of you kind of challenged me a little bit, I think. Um when talking about task management systems. I did. In, in mentioning you don't have one. Uh I don't. <laughs> and we're gonna address this just after yes. this break. It's gonna be an intervention. <laughs> it's gonna be. I, I just I just need to understand. I just yeah. need to understand. Maybe I do too. This week's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Backblaze. Backblaze is personal and business backup for Macs and PCs. With Backblaze, you will get yourself unlimited online backup for documents, music, photos, videos, and all of the data stored on your personal computer. And you can get a no-risk two-week trial over at backblaze.com slash upgrade podcast. If you don't have Backblaze set up, if you don't have an online backup system in place, you need to rectify this as soon as possible. Because this is the type of thing that can not only save you in certain situations, like if your computer explodes into a puff of smoke, but also say you're away, you're out, you're on holiday or something like that, and you don't have your main computer with you. You don't have any computer with you. Maybe you just have an iOS device and you need to get a file from your machine. Using Backblaze's iOS app, they also have an Android app as well. You can also access just singular files and do things with them. This is an incredibly important thing that you will be able to get yourself. And Backblaze is the master. They have backed up well over 150 petabytes of data and they have restored over 10 billion files for their customers. And that can be from the full restores or just those one-time restores for people that want to grab stuff on the go. You can restore 
any of your files whenever you want on their easy web restore as well. Or you can order a USB hard drive from Backblaze. If you need everything, they'll just ship it out to you on a hard drive. Their applications for Mac and PC are native, and they also include external drive backups as well with the Backblaze app. And if you're already using something like Time Machine or an external drive, you can also use Backblaze as your offsite backup solution as well. So you have things in multiple places, so you're perfectly secure. There's no throttling, and upload threading means that you'll be backing up quickly. There's no add-ons, gimmicks, or additional charges. It is only $5 per computer per month for unlimited, unthrottled online backup. And Upgrade listeners get a two-week free trial by going to backblaze.com slash upgrade podcast so i'll put that url in the show notes of course maybe you're already backing up with backblaze right i know that a lot of people have heard about this a lot of people have signed up but backblaze have something new as well that i just want to mention this is something for it professionals it's called backblaze b2 cloud storage if you're building an app and need cloud storage or want to be able to command your own backups with clis and apis this is for you backblaze b2 cloud storage is one fourth the cost of amazon s3 at just 0.005 dollars per gigabyte the up open beta is available now so go to backblaze.com slash upgrade podcast and check out b2 cloud storage as well thank you so much to backblaze for their support of this show hey so jason task management yeah talk about, yes. i just want to address this for a little while yes, so let's look at let's look at our document that we have where we keep track of what we're going to talk about on upgrade i, I that's one of the ways that i do task management Hmm. yeah help me mike have you ever tried any getting things done systems you know apps like omnifocus or things or anything like that have you ever tried these apps uh i i tried things um i'm not sure if i ever tried omnifocus i think i had it and I think I opened it and was intimidated by it, but mm-hmm. I did. I did use things for a while, um, and ended up not using it anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what, it. What turned you away though? Like, was it? Did it just not stick for you? I, I don't like. I don't get like why you would. A lot of people switch around, right? So they use things right. and they go to OmniFocus or to Doist or something like that. But it's, it, I think you get less people who kind of just stop using these sort of uh, applications. I guess I think the overriding thing for me is that I want something that is so frictionless. And I feel like a lot of these apps, like things had like categorization features and uh-huh. it had sort of specific reminder times, like remind me here and recur there. This is like the anti-cortex, isn't it? This is the cerebellum yep. podcast or something. Gray <laughs> is very, very into... Um, you know, very into organizational structures. And I guess for me, um, I felt repelled by a lot of that detail Mm. because it felt, um, it it actually reminds me of, uh, some stuff Merlin has talked about before about how every minute you're uh, organizing your, uh, index cards is a minute that you're not doing any of the things on the index cards. And it always felt very strongly to me like that, that while I needed to remind myself of things to do, and I needed to have some structure for that, that a lot of these apps, um, seem to have a level of, you know, you can be a power user of mm-hmm. organizational tools. And I felt like that my, my, my job is not to run an organizational tool. 
Right. And that and that I don't want to be a power user of organizational tools because every minute I spend becoming a power user of organizational tools is a minute I don't spend working. So for me, I always felt like that's like, wow, that's really fiddly. Yes, I can categorize all my to-dos. Yes, I can send myself little notifications. Yes, I can fiddle around with this and build this whole system. Or I could just get back to work. Hmm. <laughs> so I understand that 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 thought. And because these apps can be very complex, uh, I use I just scratch the surface of OmniFocus. Uh, I've been all in on OmniFocus for a long time, and and I use it very basically. You know, I put tasks in at certain days at certain times. You know, so I'd be like, you know, I put something in today to make sure I wanted to order more upgrade merchandise. Um, I want to have some As duplicate stuff. So mm-hmm. I've put in a... I just threw it in today at 7 o'clock to remind me to do that. And then I can just check it off or I can move it to another day, that kind of thing. And that's how I run my system, basically. I just put in these little items with their due dates and times and I move them around as necessary. I have some that repeat because I know that I do them every week or every X amount of days. And my system runs like that. And and there are people that, you know, I don't use any of the context stuff. I don't use any of the project stuff. It basically is for me just a to-do list as opposed to a getting things done system. And there are w- lots and lots of apps that have to-do list functionality. I use a couple of different apps for different things. But my, my main to-do stuff goes in OmniFocus. And I do that because it works the way that I that my brain thinks because I've kind of I'm pretty embedded in the system just certain buttons and certain functions are in OmniFocus they work in a specific way and I like them for that right like it just makes sense to me it is fully updated always it's on all of my platforms it's in active development it's the app for me right mm-hmm. um there are th- things that things does that I don't like and their development has always been a bit slow um yeah. and Todoist works in a very different way to me from like with reminder times and stuff like that so i'm kind of embedded in this system so i agree with you completely i I don't go into the majority of the functionality that are in these applications but in the same vein that hasn't turned me off completely from using this type of app so something different happened in your mind where you were just like i don't want this i don't like this it goes away well, if if I well, and and some of it is what you said, which is I was using things also at a point where their syncing was really problematic across devices, um, and because uh, they were slow to do syncing, and it was kind of strange manual ish syncing, and it would get out of sync. It was uh, local network syncing for a while. Yeah, it was a and disaster. I think they've resolved. I think they've resolved it all now. But when I was using it, that was uh, I, I, and given the level of detail that I wanted, I mean, it was neat. Yeah, I could tag like these are writing tasks and these are these other tasks. But also, you have to subscribe to their notion of how notifications work so you've got sort of like eventual and on a particular day and i have a lot of tasks where it really is not i need to do this okay i like everybody i've got a task that is next tuesday you need to do this by next tuesday but most of what i do is a list of things i have to do and it's just a list and i don't have to do them by any particular time and i think my memory is that one of the problems i had with things was that it was it really wanted to have this concept of sort of like classified and unclassified and there was like lists where i expected to see things 
things I needed to do, but they weren't there because I hadn't I hadn't put them in the box of uh, eventually or unordered or something. And I and I felt like um, with that and the sync issues, um, and you know the, the metaphor that it was trying to use that I didn't want to bother being involved in, I was better off using reminders <laughs> because right. reminders syncs and is just a list of things and uh, and and so. Um, that's part of my kind of homegrown and not quite an organizational system system now. And I'm not, I'm also not claiming that this is the right thing for everybody, nor am I necessarily claiming it's the right thing for me. It's just sort of where I am right now. This is, this is my non-system system. And part of it is I have several reminders lists, although mostly I am in one list, which is basically where I write down things that I think I should write about. So this is what I wanted to just find out because in my mind, there was no way you couldn't have had anything. Like, you, you had to have something, and you might not necessarily consider it your task management system, but it is it, right? And if reminders, do you, so you use reminders to keep track of stuff. Because I just can't imagine story someone ideas. who does the amount of work that you do with the amount of projects and dependencies that you have. I just couldn't imagine that you have nothing, that you try and keep it all in your brain. Well, so it's a it's a combination of things. It's actually funny. I was talking to one of my fellow uh, fellow podcasters this weekend, and uh, she was saying how uh, uh, everybody. It's her name's Deb uh, Deb Stanish, and uh, she loves she loves spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we had a little high five spreadsheet moment because I realized that um, you know that's part of my organizational structure. My my organizational thing that has sort of not been in an app and is and is homegrown and it was not something I consider a system is yeah it's reminders for story ideas, it's calendar. Right. I have a calendar. And if I have a story, so like Serenity, let's say Serenity contacts me and says, I'd like you to write an I more column uh, on uh, because I write one for them sort of every month. Mm-hmm. And I'd like it on the 25th. Um, I will put an event on the 25th, an all day event that is I more column. I will do that. So you put and it I in have, your calendar then? I put it I put it in my calendar. Okay. And I also have um I actually created a calendar. I, I think I mentioned this on maybe even on this podcast. I created a calendar called I think I call it writing, but it's basically like uh sort of self-direction, sort of like goals of when I would like to be doing certain things during the week, because I do have a cycle of like, I have a Macworld column every week and I've got, uh, I've got time I need to block off to write for six colors and other stuff that I want to, that I want to do, whether it's writing or et- or podcast editing actually. And I created a, uh, a ca- uh, calendar for that. That's separate from my, like, you know, doing this podcast, which is a must do, you know, we do this every week. That's more of like a, this is when you should target doing that. Don't forget to do this. So it's sort of like a reminder. So I do have calendar items and they help remind me of things that I need to do in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I can kind of move those around, but they do serve as a reminder. And then for a lot of my planning stuff, like podcasts and um, the six colors subscriber stuff and all of that kind of thing, I do have a lot of spreadsheets. Like I was saying, I have a lot of Google sheets, like the incomparables topic list and scheduling list is entirely done in a Google sheet. And uh, that's, that's where it all goes. And that's, and then when we schedule something, it goes on a shared calendar and it's on my calendar and I can see that it's happening. So, you know, all of those things are organizational tools, but they're all kind of scattered and yeah. they're not uh, they're not something I would call a system, although I suppose anything is a system is if you system. are functioning inside it. Yeah. 
the calendar thing is interesting to me. Um, I mean, because for me, the way that I think about calendar calendars is calendars are for appointments. Calendars are where things go at a certain time from a certain time. Because the way that I look at it, and many people disagree with this, and that's perfectly fine. Everybody, you know, each to their own. But the idea of writing an article feels like a task to me, and the task should be right. completed at a certain point. Because, like, for example, let's say something comes up that day, and you haven't written the article. What do you do? Do you move the calendar? I, I do. I do. Yeah. And in fact, I see. So, and the way I, right. I think of this, and maybe this is me, but the way I think of it is, it takes me two hours to write this story. And I, I and I need to leave or 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 to just work on six colors that day. Leave two hours or three hour. Leave it uh-huh. in a block because a block is good. I want to make sure I have space and that uh, during that time or some time I do it. And so, like with the Macworld thing, when is my Macworld column due? Maybe my Macworld column is due sometime on Thursday. But what I've decided is Tuesday afternoon is actually the best time for me to fit in. Uh, the Macworld column, because Dan's writing a little more on Six Colors that day. So, And I've got a space where I'm not doing any podcasts or anything like that, and so Tuesday afternoon is when I'm going to write more color. I'm going to do it then, and I, I, I'll slot it in. And uh, so instead of... So my target is sort of like... I'm essentially assigning myself a time and saying, I think you should write it then. And it's not the due date of the thing. It's when I think I can do the thing. And that's why I use a calendar, because... Um, uh, you risk, and I, I know this is, um, I mean, for, for me, it basically is like, if you have five things that need to be done on Thursday, you can't just create five to-dos for Thursday. I, in my mind, that just doesn't work. Saying, by the end of the day on Thursday, you need to do these five things. That doesn't help me. What I need to do then is is triage and prioritize and say, well, if I need to do these five things by Thursday, I'm going to do this one here and this one here and this one here and this one here, and that's how I'm going to get it done. Mm-hmm. And that's... Um, that's why I I think in terms of the calendar because I need to actually um, find when I have the time to do those tasks and then and then basically tell myself this is when you do it. So then I'm sitting. We finish a, a podcast sometimes and I think oh now okay now what do I do and then I look and I'm like oh you know I need to do that thing right now and then I do it. So because this is this is what I expected is that our systems like the way we think about them are basically the same. We just record them in different ways so I don't block things out on my calendar but I know how long things take me to do so when I look at my to-do list in the morning I plan my day out based on it and I set the due times and move the times around based on the fact of how I know it's going to run throughout the day and then move things to a different day if I know that they're not going to get done but we both we use different types of tools to get that stuff done Uh and the funny thing is what i also find interesting is that we both think that the other way is just wouldn't work like i just don't think (laughs) putting things in a calendar for me like that would work because i don't look at my calendar in that way right and the difference is that we're and this is the beauty of this is that we're different people who think of who conceive of the world differently yeah and so um it probably wouldn't work for you and it totally works for me, <laughs> and that's that's fine. Uh, but it is, yeah, for me, I, that's how I want to manage my time. Is I want to have it. I want to be able to say, um, 
you know, it's going to take me this long to do this, and so I'm going to try to do it here, rather than just try to keep in my mind, well, I've got five things, and they each take this amount of time. I, I do that with some things. It's not like totally like every single move I make is in a calendar. That's not the case. Sure. It's more that there are things that I do that require blocks of time where I concentrate, and I and I need to be sure to get those blocks or I'm going to be in trouble. Those are the ones that I try to mark out. I don't usually put in, um, you know, edit total party kill or something like that. Sometimes I do, or edit the comparable sometimes i do because i feel like i need to put a you know like put a stick in a in a doorway or something like that and be like you know this needs to be propped open because if i don't prop this open i'm never i'm gonna run out of time i need to you know i need to i need to say uh if you don't do if you don't edit that podcast now it won't get done in time because of all these other things you you have to do that sometimes happens but usually that stuff's just in the back of my mind i've got although even then like when i have to post a total party kill there's an all-day event on that day that says post total party kill so So, what happens then if me and you are talking and i say to you jason i need you to get me that copy by wednesday what do you do with that? Do you do, you do anything? Does it go in reminders? <laughs> where where do tasks like that go? Um, well, I don't know what copy it would be, but, but, but yeah, let's say we we need to do new um, new. Let's say we text. need a new bio for the show, right? Yeah, okay, or something like that. You know, like we need a new thing. We need some updated writing, or like when we were doing the t-shirt stuff. And yeah. I, you know, I would say to you, I uh, could you get me this or whatever, or, or you were managing it. Where does that sort of stuff go? I probably had a reminder. Uh, it's it could have been a calendar item, but it probably would have been a reminder. Just right. saying, you know, write that blurb for Mike. Cool. So it goes in reminders, then. That that was what I wanted probably. to see because there's, there's a couple of different types of tasks, right? Especially like when you're looking at your system, you have the things that are this is a thing I need to do for a certain amount of time, but then you also have the I just need to send that email to someone on Wednesday. Yeah. So that sort of stuff goes in reminders. I suppose, although a okay. lot of that stuff, I just try to do it at the time. Like, if I need to send an email to somebody by Wednesday, then that's different. But if I if I need to, you know, I need to wait until Wednesday and then send that email, then I will probably leave a, leave a reminder for myself. Probably. This is, yeah, I, I understand your system. I can see how it is the way it is. But there's still, because it's not my system, there's still this part of me that's thinking, I don't know how he gets anything done. Uh, <laughs> it's a great mystery. But you've at least put my mind at rest a little bit. I feel a little bit better now because I know that there's something going on. It's, it's, were you envisioning like I have a, I have um, like a, a little piece of paper with some things written on it in pencil and scratched out and little scra- like scraps of paper? I just thought you were trying to keep it all in your brain. Uh, some of it's in my brain. Yeah. I mean, some some of it I do. In fact, if I'm being honest, if you said I need copy on Wednesday for something, I would probably just not do anything. And just think, okay, I'll do that by Wednesday. That probably yeah. I would keep in my brain. Although, you know, I'm forty, I'm forty five. So as it go, time goes on, I need to learn to write things down more because <laughs> I'm not going to remember as many things as I could, I could remember back in the day. Over the time that we've worked together, I have got that impression. You, you never don't give me anything, but I always yep. feel like when I ask you for something, you just remember, which mm. is weird. But I, I, I think because for some people and the way that I do it is I just don't want the burden of my memory. So I dump yeah. it out into OmniFocus because I probably could remember a lot of this stuff. I do remember a lot of this stuff. Like I know that every Monday morning I have to prepare for upgrade. I know that, but sure. it's in OmniFocus. Oh, interesting. Yeah, my, I don't I don't have any I don't have anything like that. I, I would say I 
if my incidence of failure of storing things away in my brain was higher, I would turn, I would, I would rely on the tools more. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and it's not like I don't forget things, <laughs> but I don't forget very many things. Yeah. And, um, so it isn't a problem. If it was a problem, I would start, I would start writing it down. I mean, that, 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 that is part of it though, is that some of it is just like, yeah, I know. You know, it's like I don't have a I don't have an item for when we're done with the show that says um, write a uh, write a blurb for the episode. Now sometimes you will ask me for the blurb for the episode because I'm distracted on something else, but I do huh. know that I need to do that for you before you post it. Yeah. You so and also sometimes I use you as my reminder, so that's good. Yep. You that that's the thing. You rely on people. <laughs> You're but, part of my system. I'm part of the system. <laughs> All right. Let's let's talk yeah. about one other little thing quickly. Uh, All right. Which is just it just caught my interest, and I wonder what you think about it. the The Hollywood Reporter has broke some news um, detailing that Dr. Dre is currently filming Apple's first financed television series. So there's been some rumors recently that Apple is going to be getting into the Netflix Originals game and creating their own original content, which will be placed somewhere we'll get to that in a minute now this this first series is say it's going to be starring dr dre and it's kind of a biographical piece um it's he's it's it's fictional but drawing on uh events from his life and one of the reasons this is interesting um is because the content itself Sounds very unApple like. This is a uh, a quote from the Hollywood Reporter. It is described as a dark drama with no shortage of violence and sex. This doesn't sound very Apple, but they are financing it. What is going on here, Jason? It's weird, yeah. right? Like it just sounds really weird. And there is this part of me that wonders, and and. I don't know if this is speaking out of turn, but it, it kind of feels like Dr. Dre is an executive at Apple now and he's kind of just doing what he wants to do. And and Apple's kind of just like, ah, mm. okay. <laughs> or or uh, Dr. Dre or Eddie Q or, or Jimmy Iovine or somebody. No, I, you know... Um there's been so much speculation about if Apple would do their own um, their own content service, and this report actually makes me feel better about it because when this report says, and this is a good report, it's a Hollywood Reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a legitimate um, news agency, and one of the people in the bylines, Leslie Goldberg, who writes a lot of uh, good news stuff for them. Um, I do a podcast with their TV critic, <laughs> so I am tied in to them, and I'm inclined to believe what they say. Um, they. Uh, it sounds like an Apple Music thing to me. I think I think that's the really interesting thing here, and we've seen this. Like, there's the Taylor Swift concert that was um, an Apple Music exclusive, and it's a it's a video, but it was an Apple Music exclusive for Apple Music subscribers, I believe. Um, and so, I think what's interesting about this is that this sounds to me like an Apple Music thing. That like they're going to make a TV show, and it's it's going to be for Apple Music subscribers, just like. Uh, Amazon, you know, gets you to sign up for free two-day shipping, and then they also provide you with video. I, I that this is sort of like not Apple's TV service, but uh, but part of Apple Music. And it's you know, if it's a show about the the life and times of of Dr. Dre, then um, that fits with um, you know, he's a he's a music guy, and it, it sort of fits. And and yeah, it's um, 
a dark drama and people are like oh well, that, that that you know is that something apple would do apple likes to be squeaky clean but you know apple also sells and rents every movie that is available i mean i guess they don't they, there's no porn section of the itunes store but there's plenty they, of they have hard... erotic books and such in the iBook sure, store it, though and and they've got you know plenty of R and unrated you know unrated versions of movies in uh, in the the movie store the you know the iTunes store so uh, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, that big a thing and yeah this would be content from Apple or yeah, from that, Apple Music difference. or from Apple Studios or something like that but yeah. you know it, as a as a producer of it but I don't know I think they feel like in a music context that this is you know that Do- Dr Dre is a is a landmark uh, music figure and that this is a um this fits with what they're trying to do with having um sort of music themed content it also may be just an interesting experiment because they've got dr dre on the payroll and you know why not try this and see what it's like within the context of apple music not within a larger context about apple's video distribution plan that's i mean that's my guess because there is like saying about dr dre being on the payroll like say it just feels like to me like somebody said said dre like dre what do you what do you want to do here like what are you gonna do he's like well i'd like to make a tv show and they're like great (laughs) there's a project for you dre because it feels like i i don't really know what he does we don't really hear about him and, and i forget quite frequently that he is an apple employee uh, and and it's just a really interesting thing. And now he's making this TV show. I mean, yeah. and also Apple Music. It seems weird to me to put a television series in the music brand section thing. Uh, like for example, I think the is it, is it the iPad app? I think it is the iPad Apple Music app doesn't show full screen video. And or is it the uh, yeah, and well, then the podcast and the app podcast either, app right? as well. I, uh, and I think I think the music app is the same. It could be corrected if I'm wrong, but this know. feels like this should be one of the things that comes with the over the top Apple TV service, rather than putting it in the music subscription service. That's the way that I look at it. That these things just feel different. A concert makes sense. Um, music videos make sense. A TV series created by a rapper, which is not doesn't seem to be about necessarily the music industry. It's just stuff that happened in his life. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But I don't know. It, it feels a different... It just feels different to me. It doesn't feel oh, yeah. like something a music subscriber would expect. It Well, it's not, but uh, I, I think it's an interesting experiment. I... I um... And I, I guess part of the reason that I'm kind of open to it as an experiment is that I like that idea better than the idea that Apple is gearing up to, you know, create a slate of original material that they're going to sell as a subscription service. But mm. given Apple's uh, talk about subscription services and making more money from their existing customers as a, a place of growth for their business, uh, uh, maybe we should all just sort of accept that that's probably going to happen, and whether this is part of it or not. And part of me thinks that. I mean, Apple's got a lot of money. We know they got a lot of cash in the bank. We know that we act uh, startled when we when we hear that Netflix is spending a billion dollars probably on original content this year. So worth it though, because everything they make is fantastic. <laughs> 
Apple could do that. Yeah. Apple could spend a billion dollars on on content. I mean, they would need to get up to speed with it, and they wouldn't start with a billion. They would need to build it like Netflix built it. But could they? Absolutely. They would probably need to hire some smart programmers who have been working elsewhere, and they would need to invest a lot of money. They could also invest. You know, Netflix is going to spend about six billion on content in general. So it's also licensing other material. So if Apple wanted to create an Apple Video service that was uh, akin to Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime video they uh they totally could and i'm not sure this is evidence for that but uh when you think of in television terms you look at netflix spending six billion and you think wow that's a lot of money and then you think about apple and you think that's nothing for apple (laughs) so on on that level if i'm thinking apple it's interesting um if you think apple wants growth apple's investors want growth they're a little nervous about the iphone um, and Apple is starting to trumpet their success with uh, services that um, why the heck not do a video service, right? Why not do it? They they can invest money in it and it'll show growth. And even if it's not profitable, at least initially, it will show revenue growth that they will be making inroads into that, into a, a new market and that will excite their uh, their investors. So it's an interesting idea. I just, I think this is would be weird if this is the kickoff of that service, which is why I feel like maybe it's a, you know, a, an experimental thing that they're going to tie into Apple Music so they can right. do it now and perhaps also test what the experience is like of going through and doing, uh, you know, producing a, a, a dramatic series. Yeah, I, I think I'm aligned with your thinking. This, to me, feels like Apple's first step in that realm. But it would... I, I don't know why, but it just feels like this would be a very strange one to start with. Because Dr. Dre, he is incredible at what he does. don't know if he's known for his acting, um, I, I've never <laughs> seen him in any, in any acting roles. He could be, but I've never seen him in any. And and I think that maybe this wouldn't be the show that you would launch your your thing with. You know, it, right? Th- you know, maybe maybe Apple would partner with Disney and do something. You know. Yeah, uh, it's it is an interesting thing. I mean, it will have appeal to his audience, but yeah, Definitely. it is a little surprising in the sense that you would want, um, perhaps you would want something with with. Uh, broader appeal if such a thing exists but perhaps everything is a niche now and this is just one of them this is what it makes sense for me again is that the music part of it which is at least you can say um you know he's an interesting figure in music and that's why we decided to do this and apple music subscribers can watch it and you should be an apple music subscriber if you're a fan of dr dre because you can watch his show and you can listen to his music maybe you know that that i think that's a fine story to tell yeah that that tie-in works it doesn't seem like a long-range plan. And yeah, if you were launching a streaming service with uh, that was going to be a competitor to Netflix, you would probably want to go out with more originals that cover a bunch of different uh, areas so that a, the, a broader uh, swath I mean, a, of audience than, than one show, than any one show could handle. But um, who knows? This could yeah. also just be the first trickle that, they, that yep. uh, somebody from The Hollywood Reporter knew somebody who was producing this thing and or was on the crew for this thing or whatever the story is, and this is the one that we know about when, in fact, there are several more things. I get the sense that Hollywood is, a, um, is a, about as leaky as the, uh, as the Apple supply, hardware supply chain. There's too that, many people you know, involved. People, people talk at Hollywood. So yeah. my guess is that Apple won't be able to keep this a secret if they decide to go down this path. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that this is really a test of, you know, what do we think about this? What's involved with this? And then what do we budget? And how, what's our plan if we want to make our own service? Yeah. 
But why, why would you not? If you were Apple, I mean, I'm coming around to this as we talk, because it's like, why would you not? Given the costs of doing this, yeah, there it's going to be hard, and Netflix is already established, and HBO is established, but... Um, you mean you got all the money? What does it matter? You've got the money, and you want and you want to find ways to do growth of services, right? I mean, this is a this is a place that it, even though there are some established players, it's a, a very young market, yeah. and it's a hot market, and it is, yeah. And they're spending a lot of money. But this is, there's a lot of excitement in this right now. You know, so many yeah. of these companies and and Apple's competitors. You, know, you look at Amazon; they are putting money into creating original content, and Amazon is winning awards left, right, and center. And yeah. I think Apple might want a piece of that pie because it is now becoming part of the pie, right? Like people sign up for Amazon Prime for multiple reasons now and they get a bunch of different things. And right. maybe that is the type of thing that Apple would like to have in the future. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the question is whether they'll offer just like, you know, a stream, Apple Video, Apple Music, just like a whole bunch of things that you have to subscribe to and suddenly... You've gotten boy, Wall Street would love this if suddenly you know it turns out that all these people who buy iPhones also are are essentially spending a hundred dollars a month on Apple services that come along with it, and that just goes on forever. Um, whether that's realistic or not, I think is a good question, and there's a lot of competition. But it's uh, why would you not? I think uh, even something like Apple Music, you could say this, is mm. Apple Music doesn't have to be the number one music service, but for every Apple Music subscriber. Apple is reaping more cash from their relationship with those people. And um, if you're Apple, uh, on one level, perhaps you look at it and say, why would we not do that? Why would we not offer that and make that attempt? And not everybody's going to sign up with us, but some percentage is going to sign up with us. And we're going to be able to offer an experience that's a little more tightly integrated because we're the platform owner. And we'll make, uh, you know, and and we get to make more money out of services, which definitely seems to be... um, I mean, it was a, that was a clear message of their their latest analyst call was that services is a target for Apple. The Apple wants to make more money from its customers beyond what they buy on hardware. That just period. That that is happening. That is going to happen. That is that is a future Apple yep. strategy for growth. Is us spending more money? I mean, I'm already spending whatever ten dollars on iCloud photo library, yep. you know, storage right now, and I'm spending fifteen dollars a month on the Apple Music family plan. So I'm already spending twenty five dollars a month on Apple. And and it can only go up, right? That is it, right? If you're not if you're not selling more devices, which we've been over this, it looks like that's going to be the case, right? That we're kind of reaching the amount of devices that can be sold. The what do you do? You sell yeah. into that market. You, you more. You give them yeah. things. You give those device owners. You give them stuff, and that comes in the form of cases and accessories, but also software and services. Yeah, um, that's how that's how you get more money out of people. Yeah, and services are potentially a lot easier because you've got a renewing, you know, recurring, yep. recurring payments, and and uh, it's all digital delivery, and and then you also it can uh, control your rollout of your hardware, like uh, plan for a 4K box or you know or, or an Ultra HD box, let's say, and uh, make sure all your content is in that, which is what Netflix has done a very good job of that of of uh, rolling out their Ultra HD content yep. with uh, the availability of boxes that can play Ultra HD and saying and making it a uh, a differentiator and getting people to upgrade to a higher uh, subscription tier in order to get access to it. So it's one to watch, I think. Yeah. I think this year, I I would hazard a guess that this year we're going to see 
more of this type of thing from Apple. I think it, it, I, I, I cast my mind back to the video iPod when Apple announced the video iPod and they had a very, very small selection of shows, uh, mostly Disney stuff, right? Um, and, and ABC, ABC and things and like Disney, that. Yeah. Uh, I, I personally think that that's what we're going to see um, that they'll start with a very small selection of shows, including their own original content, and build out build out from there. Because I think the entertainment industry doesn't like Apple, right? <laughs> because they own music, or at least they owned music for sales for a long time, and I think they get right. scared of that, um, which is why they had so many problems with Apple Music, but eventually they will give in if the market demands it. So uh, I, that's what I think we're going to see. And... The, and it is now an expected thing that if you have a over-the-top subscription service, you have original content, which is excellent, that goes inside of it. Like That is just a thing that we expect now. Yeah. Like I saw today that Hulu have something, right, with uh, Stephen King and J.J. Abrams? Yeah, yeah, 11-22-63, which is um, the, based on a really good Stephen King book that we did an incomparable about, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. And that's uh, about a guy who goes back in time uh, to stop the Kennedy assassination, but it's actually way more complicated and interesting than that simple premise. And it's, it's, it's very good, but that's a Hulu original. And they're doing something not Netflix-like. They're rolling it out weekly. So they, they're doing a premiere today, but they're not dropping the whole season today. They're dropping it weekly on Mondays. I think I so, kind of like that. I like both. I, I do too. Yeah, I, I like too. both. I like that I can binge, but I also like that they're piecemeal. Like I, I like that kind of thing. I, I like that that I can binge things, but I don't like the fact that nobody can talk about these bingeable shows because they're you know yeah. because you everybody's in a different rate. place. Yeah, right. And that's frustrating to me because I like to talk about TV shows, and you're like, oh, where are you? Oh, I'm only in episode four of Jessica Jones. It's like, well, tell me when you get to episode eight, and then we'll talk about it. It's mm-hmm. just not the same. At the same time, I do like being able to just completely binge them. So I don't know what the solution is. Whether it's just we just have to deal that this is how it is, or if they could break them up into 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 blocks where they have smaller sort of sub seasons and they drop you know they drop five episodes now and then in a month they drop the next five or whether you know i, I or, or and, they're, and they're all experimenting so what hulu is doing is this weekly release um and uh we'll see we'll see but i'm looking forward to seeing it so everybody's got this stuff this is this is why we're at peak tv now is is uh you know anybody can be a tv outlet and many are trying All right, this week's episode is also brought to you by our friends over at Squarespace. You can start building your own website today at squarespace.com and use the offer code UPGRADE at checkout to get yourself a lovely 10% off Squarespace. Build it beautiful. With Squarespace, you have all of the tools that you need to build a great-looking website, something that looks professionally designed, regardless of your skill level with no coding experience required. The professional design comes from the fact that all of their templates are designed by professional designers, people that really understand how to craft great-looking websites. All of their templates feature responsive design to make sure that your site will look great on all devices, and they have intuitive and easy-to-use tools to allow you to customize and tweak these templates to make a website that looks and feels exactly how you want. They have state-of-the-art technology that allows you to drag and drop all of this sort of stuff. You can easily change fonts and colors and put branding and you can drop in different blocks like music players or store blocks or 
text or galleries, no matter what you want to do, Squarespace has all of the tools that you need. They also ensure security and stability, and this is why they're trusted by millions of people around the world. You don't have to worry about upgrades or security or hosting or caching. Squarespace takes care of all of it. They have 24-7 support in case you need anything. They have live chat and email that can help you with anything that you need. They have their commerce platform, which you can add store functionality. This allows you to sell physical and digital goods. We use it to sell some stuff at Relay. We have our store with our Relay FM t-shirts and stickers. That is all through Squarespace's commerce platform. They have rock-solid fast hosting, so much more like their cover page functionality, their dev platform. There's just so much stuff here. It is an incredible system. You can sign up for a year. You'll get yourself a free domain name. You can choose whatever you want your site to be called. And Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month. And you can sign up for a free trial to dig in and see what it's all about. No credit card required to do this. You can start building your own website straight away. Go to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code UPGRADE. You'll get yourself 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. I'd like to thank Squarespace for their continued support of Relay FM. Squarespace, you should. It's time for us upgrade. All right. All right. Billy writes in, will 3D touch come to the iPad via pencil force sensitivity? I was thinking about this a little bit. um, And at first I was like, that sounds like a good idea, right? How would you put 3D touch functions into an iPad? It feels like a really difficult thing. The screen's real big, especially the iPad Pro. Imagine you're holding it in one hand and you're force touching in the other hand and then your iPad slips out of your hand, right? Like I can imagine that type of thing happening. I still think that we're a revision or two away from 3D touch on the iPad. I don't think that we're going to see that in a couple of weeks on the iPad Air 3 in really. I, I just don't see it right now. Um, I'll ask you, Jason, in a moment what you think about that. Hmm. But I started thinking more about, like, could the pencil work as a way to do 3D touch? It is another way you can push down on the pencil a lot easier than you would be pushing down on your finger because it's a lot more sensitive. It works that way. And or just pressing the pencil could activate a gesture like that. But then the more I started to think about it, I was realizing what it would do was it would require that everybody has a pencil which I don't think is something Apple's going to want to do. It would mean that all iPads would need it, which also they're not going to do that. And you would always have to have the pencil in your hand to make this work because the way that 3D touch and force touch actions work is that they're intended to work in conjunction with regular touches. Like You don't mode shift to, to do them. You kind of just like, for example, the keyboard shortcut you press down you move and you start typing again if i had to take my pencil out press down move the the cursor around and then start typing again i don't think i'd like that so right whilst i do feel that in theory it sounds like it makes sense the more i started to think about it i don't think that's going to work i think apple will just they will put 3d touch in the way that it is on the phone but i just don't think they're ready for it yet jason what do you think i think that it's uh i think it's okay if it's not on every ipad because 3D Touch isn't on every iPhone. I think that um, the core of this is the uh, Apple's commitment to the Pencil as a UI interaction mode instead of just a uh, sort of an input mode. And that's what you, you know we've been seeing, and you and Gray talked about it on Cortex, This mm-hmm. uh, that the 9... What is it? The 9.3 beta? Yeah, the 9.3 beta removes the ability for you to use... The pencil is a finger replacement, basically, to right. so if, uh, the upset and anger of many iPad Pro, Apple Pencil users, and we talk about right. that in Cortex 22. 
So if Apple truly believes that the pencil is supposed to be useless for anything except drawing, which excellent arguments have been made that it's a mistake and you should, yeah, I refer you to uh, to that episode of Cortex. Gray did a great job, uh, supported by you, of uh, railing against this decision because I and I agree with it. I think it's I think it's a mistake. Why why turn off functionality? Um, uh, maybe there's a reason where they're having some issues with the the most important parts of the pencil not behaving right because it's looking for these UI interactions. Okay, maybe, but uh, it seems like a bad idea that it's actually removing functionality that people use and like, and that isn't mandatory. But if they remove it, then it, this is a moot point because it won't do it right <laughs> because mm-hmm. this is a UI interaction. If they if they decided no, it's okay to interact with the UI this way. I don't see why you wouldn't do this. Um, since 3D Touch is in the operating system and it's never a must-use feature, it's always optional because so many devices don't have support for 3D Touch that um, I, I would adv- actually advocate that they do it because it's already in uh, other devices and you have a touch-sensitive device that you're using. Um, but I, my, my gut feeling is that they're, it's already too complicated for them as it is, which is why they're backing away from it, and so it won't happen. But um, I wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a bad idea if they decide to embrace what you and Gray use the pencil for in 9.2, which is, you know, as a as a substitute finger, so you don't need to keep taking your um, your pencil out of your hand in order to do UI interaction and then put it back in your hand to continue doing what you were doing with your pencil. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. All right, next up we have from Dylan. Dylan wanted to know, Jason, uh, I've just updated to El Capitan and started using photos. Can I delete iPhoto um, or will that delete my photos? Uh, short answer is uh, deleting the iPhoto app does has no, no effect on your photos. Um, you'll still have an iPhoto library that is kind of hard linked to your new migrated photos library. You can also delete your iPhoto library if you haven't reopened it since you migrated to photos and... Um, it will warn you, actually, if you try. It'll say, you already migrated this to photos. You probably shouldn't do anything more over here because these changes won't be reflected in your photos library. Right. Um, that that it, it throws up that warning. So if you've migrated to photos and you're ready to go using it, yeah, you can delete iPhoto and you can even delete your iPhoto library because you should now have a photos library that is a migrated thing. You won't, you won't save a lot of space in doing either of these things, but you could delete them if you really wanted to. If you just don't want it around, maybe. If you don't want to don't want to see it, and you don't want that photo that iPhoto icon in your face anymore, yeah, you could totally do that. It's fine. Get out of my face, iPhoto. Uh, prompted by my absence last week, Angelo wrote in and wanted to know what technology comforts us when we are not feeling very well. Uh, for me, well, definitely what comforted me last week was Netflix. Uh-huh. Um, lots of the video. I watched all of Making a Murderer. Um, and some other like just random shows and stand-up comedy things and stuff like that. Because when you're in bed and you're awake for a long, long period of time because you feel crap, uh, things like Netflix are a great option. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think I think please distract me is always yes. what I'm thinking when I'm sick. So uh, Netflix, uh, TiVo, I've got so my DVR is loaded up with shows. Just put on some TV uh, or uh, or like Kindle. I um. I have a, a you know hardware Kindle, and that's great too because I can just lay in bed and read. And if uh, my my uh, 
concentration fades, which happens when you're sick from a book, from a, like a novel, I can flip over and read a nonfiction book, or I can read the newspaper because I get I get a daily newspaper on my Kindle. And uh, so that's a good that's a good thing too. And then I would I guess I would say like Slack and, and Twitter a little bit too, just because those are nice distractions when you're feeling you know, isolated and, and you're just in bed and you're, you're cut off from the world and feel terrible that sometimes it's nice to see what your, uh, what your, your friends and your, and your people on Twitter are talking about. Yep. Um, the last, uh, the last point today comes from Chris and Chris wants to know what is your favorite word and least favorite word? And Jason, I see you've (laughs) noted this and this is something that I picked up on as well. Yeah, this is this is from inside the actor's studio. This is yes. this is the 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 questionnaire which is based on the on is it the, Pivot? The, yeah, yeah, the French uh host uh and and then it is itself based on Proust. Uh, is Proust. that right? Proust, I think it's Proust. Proust? Yeah, who knows? I don't I'll, think I'll, that's I'll right. say I'll, you say Proust, I'll say Proust. Uh I No, when, I said Proust, you said Proust. Whatever or t- tomato tomato. <laughs> Um, I went through a a period of time a couple of years ago of binging on this series uh, on YouTube. Someone uploaded a lot of uh, Inside the Actor Studio to YouTube, and I love it. And I actually took a lot of my... I took a lot of tips and skills um, for the interview shows that I had done. Uh, I think that it is an absolutely incredible series, and James Lipton is a fantastic interviewer. Uh, yep. So I took took some thoughts from him, and one day uh, I thought about this a lot. That maybe me and you or whoever should go through the whole list of of that the questions. That might be fun. Uh, but we'll start off today with the favorite and least favorite words. All right. Um, I go back and forth on this quite a lot, but I put some thought into it. And my favorite word. This is definitely one of my favorite words. I think it's difficult for me to think of what is my exact favorite word. But the word colossal. Um, I love the way colossal sounds because colossal sounds yeah. big. Even it sounds though, big. Yeah, even though you it know, does. Th- there's no there's no onomatopoeia to it, but it has the feeling. Um, you said the word colossal sounds like something that's big, and uh, I give you a little insider secret. This was the name that I was pushing quite heavily for relay, but Stephen, oh, interesting, uh, Stephen. N- said no uh and, and one of the reasons that it's good that he said no is even i having loved it and owning a bunch of domains always spell colossal incorrectly <laughs> you spell with two l's two l's or one s so it always goes wrong, uh, but, okay but i like right, colossal yeah. because it's it's nice have you it, ever seen the, the amazing colossal man no it's a great title it's a bad uh, 50s sci-fi movie but it's a great title amazing colossal man yeah, he's he's got a lot going for him. He does. Uh, one one of my f- one of my least favorite words is uh when people refer to podcasts as pods. Ah. That is a, a a pet hate of mine. Uh I just podcast is a terrible word to what we do. Uh I yep. try and say it as little as possible. Uh I'm not going to create a new name. Uh, but I refer to what we do as shows. Netcasts is available. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that. Uh, yeah, I show shows, programs. Sure, I say absolutely. shows, broadcasts. I try and say that stuff. I, I am a podcaster. We make podcasts. I just don't really like the word, so I try and replace it wherever possible. Uh, but it's it just, yeah, it's like pods is a, like nails on a chalkboard to me. Yeah. Um, 
like when somebody says, uh, "I listen to your latest pod." It, yeah, I that's just, the yeah. that's the worst. I I um I only use pod in in uh, occasionally I will say, and it is intended humorously. I will say, "I gotta go cast some pods." But only in that yeah. phrase of the yeah, casting yeah. of pods, because that literally a podcaster would be one who casts pods. Um, so that's the only time I'll use it, and I, I use it ironically and and am making fun of it. So, so I'm with you there. It's not a pod. Jason, what are your what's your favorite and least favorite word? So I opened this this morning after after spending the weekend uh, at this convention talking to all these friends of mine, um, and uh, was completely unprepared for this. And I, my brain waking up and drinking mm-hmm. tea and trying to think of it, I really struggle with this. I'm sure that after this is over, I'm going to have for the next week. I'm going to have words that I love popping into my head and thinking, why didn't I say that word? That's why we have follow up. Maybe that maybe that is so. But I I did I take I took a shot just for fun. Um, so my favorite word I put down dude. Hmm. I like dude. I don't use it a lot, but I, what I, I love I don't think I've ever heard you say it. Oh, dude. Um, the uh, <laughs> that's, that's not true at all, dude. Uh, <laughs> here's why I like dude. I like dude not only because it is it is kind of uh, it seems very Californian, and I am Californian, but I like its versatility. Um, and there, there, there's a class of words that can be used, including some some four letter words like "dude." It's a four letter word, actually, um, that can be used in lots of different contexts. And I like that about it that you can refer to somebody as a dude, but you can also you can also exclaim, "Come on, dude!" and have it be this. Um, you can be a cool dude. You can the dude can be like somebody who's not paying attention. Um, you've got the you've got the uh, the. Um, the Jeff Bridges connotation, which is kind of fun. Um, and like, if you're on the freeway and somebody cuts you off, you can just say, dude. And it is, a, it is like a great, like an insult to a, a person to say it. So I just find it, I find it a versatile nonsense word and I love it. And uh, I should probably use it even more, but I do, I do like it. So I, I, that's for now, that is my current vote just because I thought it would be fun to say. Dude, All right, dude, what's, uh, what's up next? I don't know, dude. Um, uh, the uh, <laughs> uh, my least favorite. Uh, I again, I'm sure there are, there are actually a lot of um, a lot of. I don't. I'm happy to use uh, ex- expletives from time to time. I don't do it a lot. I try to use it tactically. Yeah, it's always it's always a surprise when you hear Jason. Yeah, swear. it happens, yeah. but it's always sure. surprising. Sure, I know all those. I know all those words, and I can use them. But I choose to use them in very specific contexts and very specific times, and not just. I, I find that they're much more effective when used tactically rather mm-hmm. than just sort of spouted every other sentence. And that's just me. That's that's the way I live my life. Um, and there are some words that I really love that are swear words, and there are mm-hmm. some that I really hate. I'm not going to get into the ones I hate now, but there are some that I I kind of despise, and I think they're bad words. They're like not just bad words; they're bad. Yeah, my, my favorite curse word is a uh, is a word that I think is hilarious because it mixes two swear words. Ah, but I can't say it to American people, right? Yeah, because yep. that one of the two words that it mixes it's, together. It's a tripwire. Uh, 
makes Americans explode into a ball yeah. of flame. Yeah. So I'm going to go with a different <laughs> word, which I, I'm actually going to go back to um, my graduate school. Uh, the guy, uh, journalism teacher I had in grad school was the um, guy named Vince Cosgrove. He was the city editor of the New York Daily News, I want to say, in the 80s. During the Ed Koch administration, he had moved to Berkeley. Um, he ended up writing for, oh, what did he do? He did. He did. He was an editor at TV Guide for a while. He did some entertainment journalism stuff. He wrote a novel. But anyway, he was he was my um, my uh, journalism professor at, at, at in grad school, and he he uh, his perspective and the the sort of tabloid in a in a journalism school enmeshed in the idea that the New York Times was the most exalted form of journalism was this guy from the New York Daily News, which I just thought was the best, and I loved it because you know he would he would insult the times you'd be like they're writing for the history books we're writing for the people who live today and stuff like that i thought that was great this like um a more kind of fierce tabloid uh proud we're not the new york times kind of attitude which you know is so refreshing because you never get that in journalism schools um but anyway one of the things that was one of his pet peeves and i really loved it uh, I, it, it has stuck with me all this time is when you write a story about a politician don't call them a lawmaker if if you call them a lawmaker, it sounds like Moses, you know, it coming mm. down with the tablets, with the Ten Commandments. These are amazing priests of our nation who invent beautiful yeah. laws that are there to help us all. And he said, that's not it. They're politicians. Politics is a dirty business. Call them politicians. Don't give them the authority and credit for creating laws. It's their job. It's all backroom deals. It's all special interest based. You you do people a disservice by making their uh, making politicians seem exalted, and I, I that has always stuck with me. It's like it's kind of I agree with that. I that is a word. Lawmaker is uh, it's too good for them. <laughs> Quite honestly, it's too good for any politician. They are not lawmakers. That's not their job. They're politicians. They're they're playing politics, and that's fine. That's part of that. It's a political system. It was built that way. But please don't. They they're not the gray the gray headed wise ones who come down from the mountaintop and proclaim important laws for all of us. That's not how it works. So, lawmaker, I don't like it. We can have a I, word draft, Mike. Word draft. Do just that. draft words forever. All the words. We'll just draft well, them all one by one. <laughs> Me and you alone. And then so basically we'll have to do the show. Like I'll start a sentence, you finish the sentence because yeah. you own one word and I don't. Yeah. Well, maybe the goal of the word draft is to make the best sentence. So like mm. we'll do a noun round and a verb round. <laughs> this is a terrible idea. Anyway. You bet it's, I know it's one that you are thinking about a lot now because you love mm-hmm. a draft. That is, I do love a draft. That is Everything can be drafted. Everything can be made better if things are within it are drafted in sequence by people. Yeah, it's true. There you go. Maybe that's what we should do uh, some kind of draft for our uh, special Real FM members episode. Oh, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Now, so now I'll let's write that one down. Now, where, where, now, now, Mike, where should I write that down in my uh, in my uh, reminder management system? You don't need to, because I have a note in the notes app, which is called member episodes ideas, and then and now I am writing upgrade some kind of draft in there. So that, that that's one of my uh, organizational systems there. Some kind of draft. So that about wraps it up for this week's episode. If you want to catch our show notes, you can head on over to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 76, but this should be in your lovely podcast app 
of choice. If you would like to find Jason online, go on over to sixcolors.com, theincomparable.com, and relay.fm, where he hosts many podcasts and writes many words. And you can find him over at, at J Snell on Twitter. I am at iMike, I M Y K E. I also have a little website now, mikewasright.com. Uh, right now, you can go there and see pictures of Ghostbusters Lego, uh, if that mm. if that so floats your boat. Uh, thanks again to our lovely sponsors this week, the fine folks over at Squarespace and Backblaze. Don't forget to buy upgrade merchandise. T-shirts and hoodies are on sale until February 19th. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Mr. Snell. Dude! <laughs> Dude, where's our podcast? <laughs> where's the pod? Oh, God. Dude, where's my pod, I think. <laughs> Just mixing the worst and the best. The amazing colossal pod. <laughs>